Good morning, everybody. I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna be in Psalm ninety one. I don't think that I know that. <laughs> I think that we can read the whole thing. It's not long. It's only sixteen uh, verses, and so uh, I think we'll we'll just uh, do it the the way that we do it when the verse when there's not that many verses. So let's do uh, let's do Psalm ninety one, one through sixteen. All right. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Lord, let your sheep hear your voice today, and may they not follow another. In Christ's name, amen. So we've been uh, picking our favorite psalms, and uh, to, to kind of fill the gap between the end of verse 1 and, uh, and the uh, upcoming sermons that are kind of themed around Easter. Um, and... The, the reason that this is one of my favorite psalms is uh, it goes way back. It's because my father would quote this psalm to me when I was a child. And mainly, so when I was a kid, I had nightmares. And I, that's a, I know that's kind of normal sometimes for children. And when I had these nightmares, I'd call out to my parents, and, uh, and, al and almost every time Dad would come into the room and he'd quote portions of this psalm to me. Um, and I remember even back then, as a child, I'm sure it had something to do with his presence, but, I, but, but also with the words of the psalm, I was, I was calmed by the words 
of those, uh, of those words, uh, the words of Psalm 91. There's just something soothing about, uh, about, about those words. And, and I think that part of it has to do with uh, the fact that this, the psalm is easy enough for a child to understand. I have been impressed with the simplicity and straightforwardness of, uh, of this psalm. And also, uh, maybe part of the reason it's impressing is because it also makes sermon prep a little easier. Uh, it just comes right out and says, it says what it means. It's, it's easy for, uh, for even a child to understand. You don't need to be frightened because those who trust in the Lord will be protected by Him. And that was so soothing to me. I know that Dad, his intention probably was just to soothe my fears and get me to quiet down so I'd go back to sleep so he could go back to sleep. Um, but what he didn't realize, and maybe what I uh, didn't realize, is that he was instilling in me the message of, of this psalm, not to be afraid, but to trust in the Lord. And it, and it must have, as simple as the message of this psalm is, it must, have, it must be somewhat profound because it carried me through my childhood, and it obviously sticks with me today. As a matter of fact, when we were discussing doing our first or our favorite psalms, this is the first one that came to my mind because it it held such a, it holds such a, a, a prominent place in my heart. The uh, Reformation Study Bible helps us in dividing the psalm or outlining the psalm into three categories: verse one and two, affirmation. And then verses 3 through 13 give us a description. And then verse 14 through 16 gives us a confirmation. So the first couple of verses give us the affirmation that God is a refuge. They just affirm that He is a refuge. God is a refuge to those who draw near to Him. In verse 1, the statement is made that the person who seeks to make God their refuge will in fact be sheltered by God. You dwell in the shelter of the Most High, you will abide under the shadow or in the shadow of the Almighty. And then this causes the psalmist in verse 2 to declare that he will, because of this, he will place his complete trust in the Lord. I can find refuge in the Lord, and so I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge. And really that first verse introduces the theme of the, the whole psalm. And, and that theme will be supported in the rest of the psalm. So we get the theme or the message right off the bat. That he who trusts in God need not be afraid because he will find that God is his refuge in all of life's circumstances. And then as the text seems to support, especially in the difficult circumstances. And now this doesn't imply that difficult circumstances will not come, as some have tried to make this psalm say, but it states rather that God will protect His own during those circumstances. And, and I think that that is, that is what we see uh, more prominently. So then we move to the description of how God is a refuge. In verses 3 through 13, we have that description of how God is 
a refuge. And really, a response to verse 1 and 2. Verses 3 through 13 answer the questions, why can a person trust, uh, or rather, why can a person who trusts in God expect to find refuge in God? The answer is because God will deliver them and protect them. And then the next question and answer is, how does God, how does God provide refuge? And it is that He covers the refugee with His wings. He fights for them. He even dispatches angels to help them. So let's look a little closer then at those verses that give us the description of how God is a refuge. Verse 3 shows us that God will be a refuge to those who trust in Him by delivering them, the Scripture says, from snares and pestilence. And more than likely, these, uh, these two examples, two words, are examples that the psalmist used just to describe dangers in general. He will deliver you from dangers, i.e. snares and pestilence. But I think also that that there's something we can learn from that because snares and pestilences are different things and they have uh, different meanings, even though they may have just been general examples. Snares are things that are difficult to discern, right? A trap. Uh, a snare back in these days would have been something that was hidden in a bush to uh, trap an animal. You, you make a snare so that you would trap an animal, and the whole idea is that it would take him by surprise or take that animal by surprise. And then pestilences are things that humans can do little to control. So like swarms of locusts is a biblical pestilence. Um, diseases uh, that cannot be seen with the human eye is another example. So these are things that, uh, that humans can do little to control. So what we're talking about are these things that are difficult to discern or we can do little to control. But even in those hidden traps and in those uncontrollable incidents, the person who places their trust in God can be sure that God will deliver them. And He may deliver them from it, and He also may deliver them through it. And we're going to see thousands falling. We're going to see arrows flying here in a moment, but, but the refugee is unharmed. And so there may be a deliverance from it entirely where you don't, even, uh, you don't even face the difficulty or you may have to run into that shelter and be uh, protected from it. And then verse 4 relates that God Himself will protect those who trust in Him. And so this is not just some type of shelter, but this is God sheltering those who trust in Him. The, the psalmist here employs uh, imagery that is often employed in the, psalm, in the Psalms and really throughout Scripture, and that is the imagery of wings. Psalm 17, 8, 36, 7, 57, 1, 61, 4, and 63, 7 are just a few examples of the, uh, of the imagery of wings being uh, protection for those who find shelter in them. Also deliverance. When, uh, when the scripture talks about God bringing up the children of Israel out of Egypt, it is referred to as bringing them up on eagle's wings. 
Ruth, uh, Boaz talks about Ruth finding shelter under the wings of the Almighty. And so we find deliverance and protection is imaged here in this passage of Scripture. And I think we get the image right. It's like small hatchlings finding shelter under the wings of their mother. So God will protect His children from whatever hardships arise. And we also think of Jesus sitting on the, uh, sitting on the mount overlooking Jerusalem and saying, I would have drawn you together and sheltered you with my wings. But of course, the sorrow is that they would not. There's also the image of a shield and a buckler. And really, shield and buckler are just two types of shields, probably the buckler being a larger shield, and then the, uh, and then the or rather the, sh- uh, the shield being the larger shield, and then the buckler being kind of a smaller shield that would have been held uh, on the arms, perhaps. Well, I don't know that for certain. But this imagery is in light of God's faithfulness. So it's saying that God's faithfulness will shield the refugee, perhaps from the close swords that come, but then also the arrows that would fly in to destroy them. And then verses 5 through 10, just pulling out a, a larger chunk here, they intimate the heart, I think, of the Psalm's message, of the message of Psalm 91. And that is the one who trusts in God has no need to fear, for they are protected by God. Terrors, arrows, pestilences, and destruction fly all around them, but they are not afraid because the Lord is protecting them. They have sought refuge in the Lord, and they have found refuge in the Lord. Ten thousands, thousands, indeed ten thousand fall before them, but the scripture says that they are unaware that so much trouble had potentially befallen them. They, they weren't even aware that so many were attacking them, but they have fallen before them. It even says that their eyes see the recompense of the wicked. Verse 8, you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. They only see it, or they only see the recompense, I should say. But they have not been wounded by one sword blow from the thousands that have fallen at their side. They have made the Lord their refuge. And He has protected them from the evils and plagues that could have come upon them. And then verse 11 and 12 says that even the angels will be dispatched to those who trust in the Lord. And so we have, we have the Lord sheltering us and, and so concerned with shelter and safety of those who trust in Him that He gives the angels tasks to keep charge over us. They will keep those who trust in the Lord from harm. They will keep those who trust in the Lord from stumbling. And then... Verse 13, I like, that, I like that there's a little, there seems to be a little shift here because it seems, it seems to have some language that de- denotes that the refugee is going to go on the offensive. You will tread on the lion and adder, the young lion and the serpent, you will trample underfoot. So because of the shelter they find in the Lord and the aid they find with the angelic host, they go forth treading on snakes and lions. 
They no longer fear the lion and the adder because they know that they have been protected by God through all of those dangers, the arrows and the pestilences and the snares. And they will be protected when they go on. So this is the picture that I have in my mind of someone who flees to the refuge of God. And the arrows are flying and the pestilence and, and thousands are falling at their, at their right hand. And they see all of these things happening and all of the protection that they have under the shelter of God. And they peek out from that shelter and, and realize the Lord is going to protect me. And so I'm going to go on the offensive. I'm going to do a little treading on lions and adders myself. And then the psalmist is like, but that's not this kind of psalm. And he goes and he doesn't say any more about the offensive. And that's where we hear the voice of God in confirmation. God speaks that he is a refuge. He speaks directly in the closing of this psalm. So we have seen the affirmation that God is the refuge to those who place their trust in Him. Then we see the description of how the Lord provides a refuge and why the refugee can safely trust in the Lord. And now we hear the Lord confirm it. The Lord Himself speaks in this psalm that He will do what has been described about Him. The Lord says, because a person loves and trusts me, I will deliver and protect him. The Lord says, I will be be with him when trouble comes, and I will even honor him. I will give him long life, the Lord says. I will reveal to him my saving hand if he loves and trusts me. I think the pronouns are interesting there that the Lord refers to he holds fast to me in love. I will protect him. But we may say more about that or we'll say more about that in just a moment. But the text is teaching us that plainly that God will protect those who trust in him. They don't need to be afraid because God will protect those who trust in him. I actually have a a funny story that's associated with this psalm, uh, and uh, and I think it illustrates to some degree the the message of the passage. And as a, a group of uh, preachers that I knew, or I knew several of the of the pastors in the group, that went over to Israel. They took a a mission trip to Israel, and it, it was taken during a time of unrest, as is often the case over there. And uh, they'd be walking around, you know, doing, doing missionary stuff and seeing the sights and all of those things. And explosions would go off nearby. And the, the young, there was an elder, a precious old elderly minister with them. And the young pastors, being unnerved by the explosions, would look at kind of, they would mention it like, man, what's going on here? And kind of look over at the elderly pastor to see how his, he would respond. He would just quote the first two verses of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and, uh, and my fortress. And so uh, this happened, you know, several times. They could hear the explosions off in, off in the distance, and he kept saying it over and over and over again that they got used to him 
That just being his response. Well, one evening they were back in uh, their uh, rented room and a bomb went off close. It rattled the walls. And uh, it, uh, the, the testimony is that some spackling fell, <laughs> fell off of the ceiling. That's how close the bomb was. And so the preachers immediately looked over to the elder minister for words of encouragement. And he said, kind of spooky, ain't it, Doc? <laughs> He'd been unnerved himself. But, but the fact is that, that the psalm he was quoting doesn't just say God protects those who trust in him until the bombs get close, right? It says that God protects those who trust in him no matter the circumstances. The bombs get close. The arrows, the arrows are flying. The terrors are all around. Thousands are falling at, at the side of those, but God is protecting them even when the trouble gets close. I think there's something else that ought to be noted in, in this uh, psalm, and that is that this psalm seems to be in dialogue with Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is a prayer of Moses. It's written by Moses. And it's in such dialogue with Psalm 90 that several of the commentators that I read in, uh, in preparation for, for the sermon believe that Psalm 91 is, uh, could be uh, written by Moses as well. And I'm not, I'm not sure the folks go, went back and forth and I, I couldn't discern, I certainly couldn't discern uh, whether I thought Moses wrote it or David. Uh, but I, I will say that even if uh, David wrote it, I think that he wrote it later on in response to Psalm 90. There just seems to be such a close dialogue there. Uh, even the, the first verses of each psalm seem to be complementary. Psalm 90 and verse 1 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And then 91 and 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So it's like the first verse of Psalm 90 presents the Lord as the dwelling place and then goes on to talk about the people being the work of His hand. And then Psalm 91 expands to say that those people who trust in that dwelling place, who is the Lord, will abide under His protection. And then it goes on to describe what that protection looks like and then is affirmed by the voice of God Himself. There also seems to be a wilderness motif that kind of supports this idea, especially in verses 3 through 13. And my mind went to the wilderness when I read this passage of Scripture, so I'm almost certain that the Hebrew mind would have, would have gone there at the mention of protection, especially from pestilence, like was seen in the land of Goshen. Uh, where the Hebrews lived during God's wrathful dealing with Egypt, right? They, God was delivering them from Egypt and a bunch of pestilences and plagues came on Egypt. But you had the children of Israel in Goshen right in the middle of all the pestilence and nothing's happening. Nothing's going on with them. They're not, they're not dealing with it. Protection from the terror at night and pestilence and destruction that lurks during the po hottest part of the day could be an allusion to the pillar of fire and the cloud that overshadowed the Israelites while they made their trek through the wilderness towards the promised land. So you've got all of these dangers in the wilderness, but here is a people who have placed their trust in the Lord. And unlike any other person that might try to walk through that wilderness, they have a, 
a pillar of fire at night. And they've got clouds protecting them in the daytime because they have trusted in the Lord. And this would just affirm that message that those who place their trust in the Lord will be protected even in a ruthless place like the wilderness. We even see there were times in the wilderness when God's people failed to place their trust in the Lord and pestilences were allowed, right? There was one time that they started complaining about God's provision and what happened? Poisonous snakes infested the camp and killed a, a lot of people. And so I think that there's little doubt that the words of Psalm 91 would have conjured lessons from the wilderness in the Hebrew mind and reminded them that to trust the Lord meant sheltering in His protection in every circumstance. Trust the Lord and He will protect you. And I think that we can hear that message plainly to us. Those illustrations speak to us. Whether they were intended or just arise in our minds, they teach us the same thing. Trust in God and He will protect you. But as soothing as it is for us to hear such good news, all of us must testify that despite knowing God protects those who trust in Him, we so regularly mistrust Him. Can I get a... I see some nodding. Right. So we got some honest folks. So this, so, so this psalm does what the entirety of Scripture does it points to the one who completely and unceasingly trusted in God. And that is Jesus, our Messiah. He continually dwelt in the shelter of God. We sometimes dwell in the shelter of God. but He continually dwelt in the shelter of God. He held fast to God in love. He knew God's name. Satan himself even came around and tried to get Jesus to mistrust the Father. In the wilderness temptation, even quoting the 11th verse of this psalm. But Jesus put him to flight. And Jesus succeeded in the wilderness testing where Israel had failed in their wilderness testing. Jesus continually trusted in God. Never a moment in Christ's life when he did not trust in God. He never doubted. He never complained. Therefore, thousands fell at his right hand. Because Colossians 2.15 tells us that he disarmed demonic rulers and authorities and put them to open shame at the cross. Because he trusted in the Lord, God revealed to him his salvation when he raised Jesus from the dead. I think that it's interesting, as, as you've already been told, that Psalm 1 is... Uh, out, outlines the entire book of Psalms. And so in Psalm 1, you have the ultimate blessed man who delights and meditates continually in the law of the Lord. So here in Psalm 91, you have the ultimate one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High and sees the Lord's salvation. Christ is the one who trusts in God and is protected by Him. But some of you may be observing and listening closely and think to yourself, wait a minute, I'm not as dumb as you think I am. 
Wasn't Jesus beaten and put, into de- put to death by crucifixion? Well, that, that's, not much, that's not much protection, right? How was he protected by God? And I, th- I think that the answer is at least twofold. And those two answers, I think, help us understand the message of the psalm today. First, there is more, more to protection than guarding the physical body and material possessions. Now, under the old covenant, this psalm would have taken on a very material connotation. It would have been understood like that, but not so much for us. See, Christ trusted in God and found shelter in Him despite the seeming physical and material difficulties. Further, Christ was protected by God, for nothing happened to Him that had not already been determined by God. And and that is that soothing, those soothing words of assurance for us that we find in Romans chapter 8. That everything that happens in our lives is working together to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Nothing happens that is not ordained by God, our loving and kind and good God. Also, although Christ was crucified, He did not see corruption. He saw the salvation of His God. Think of the resurrected Christ. Was He any worse for wear after His crucifixion? No. He he had placed his trust in God, and God had protected him from death and decay. He did not allow his Holy One to see corruption, as stated in Psalm 16.10. I want to read the 16th Psalm to you because I think it is so interesting how similar Psalm 16 and Psalm 91 are. Psalm 16 is obviously, as a matter of fact, the passage of Scripture that Bob read a moment ago quoted Psalm 16, speaking of not allowing the Holy One of God to see corruption. But preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. So there's striking similarities there between the Lord not seeing corruption... Because he trusted in the Lord. 
and then those who trust in the Lord will be protected by Him. We learn from this. When we put our trust in the Lord, we may face extreme difficulties as did our Lord, but we can be guaranteed that He will keep us safe from the ultimate destruction that seeks to waste us and the ultimate terror that seeks to strike us down, and that is death and hell. He will not allow His holy ones, those who put their trust in Him, to see corruption. We do not even fear, even when we are facing death, for we have placed our trust in the Lord, and He will deliver us, either in this life or in the life to come. Second, I think we need to be reminded that Christ was not crucified because of His mistrust, because of His mistrust, I should say, in God. But He was crucified because of ours. So how was Christ protected by God? We need to be reminded He was not crucified because of His mistrust, but ours. In my studies for this sermon, I came across a story in John Phillips' commentary on Psalms about a missionary, uh, I believe it was in Africa, but his uh, village had been consumed by a fire. And as this missionary walked through the village surveying uh, the damage left behind uh, by the fire, he, he kicked over a charred lump of not ashes, but just a, a charred lump of coal or something. And it was actually the, the carcass of a hen who had gathered her chicks under her wings. So when he kicked over that charred lump, a few chicks ran out. And so that was the carcass of that hen that had gathered the chicks up under her wings and was burned up in order to protect them. And I think this in some way illustrates the good news of the gospel. Christ lived a life of total trust in the Lord. But then He died a terrible death to secure the ultimate protection from God's wrath and eternal damnation for us. So thousands fell at our side, but Christ was wounded. Terrors, arrows were absorbed in Him so that we could be protected. What protection and what motivation for us to flee to Jesus and to find our refuge there? We are in Him. That's how the Word of God describes New Covenant people who place their trust in Christ as in Christ. And He is the ultimate one who placed his trust in God and, felt ha and uh, held fast to him in love. Therefore, in Christ, God will protect us. He will answer our prayers. He will be with us in trouble. He will rescue us. And he will show us his salvation. It's necessary for me to say to any unbelieving friends that hear me today who are here or hearing over the live feed that if you have not fled to Christ Jesus for refuge, if you have not placed your trust in God's only provision of salvation through Christ Jesus, 
you are outside His protection. The hardships of life are going to come to you just like they come to everybody. But you do not have the guarantee of the Lord's presence with you. You cannot be assured He will answer your prayers or protect you from destruction. Worse than that, you can be guaranteed that you will face God's judgment and just wrath that culminates in eternal damnation in hell. And so it is my plea to you, unbelieving friend, repent of your sins. Flee to Christ who is our refuge. Place your trust in God's means of salvation. And I can assure you that He will in no wise turn you away. But rather He'll do like He did all of those who place their trust in Him. He will gather you under His wings. He will deliver you from sin. And He will protect you from ultimate harm. So what does the message teach us? How can we apply these, this simple truth to our life? Well, I think the application is as simple as the message. Stop trusting in all of these other things that we attempt to find security in and instead trust in the Lord. Uh, I saw a, a meme this past week <laughs> that uh, it, had a, it had a guy, um, and maybe it just ma made such an impact on my life I had to figure out how to put it in the sermon. But it had a, it had a guy, it looked like maybe he had been working on a ladder uh, around a flight of stairs, and the ladder had failed him. But anyway, so it had like in the top part of the rungs, his head was stuck in, in between one of the rungs. And then down toward the bottom, his leg was stuck in the bottom part of the rungs. And he is falling down this flight of stairs, all tangled up in, this, in the rungs of this ladder. And the caption said, me trying to lean to my own understanding. And that's a, a reference to Proverbs 3, 5, trusting the Lord with all of, all of your heart, and don't lean to your own understanding. And I was like, first of all, I was like, wow, that's true. It's funny because it's accurate, right? Funny because it's true. When difficulties come, we try to trust in, we try to trust in all sorts of other things. We are so tempted, or we tend so much to lean into our own understanding. We try to, we try to work things out in our own ability. Or we try to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, just press through the thing and internalize and act like we're not having any hardships. And that always leads to pain and failure. Epic fail, right? We attempt to, we attempt to find security in our jobs and our hobbies and our vices. And let me ask the folks that do that or have done that, how'd that work out for you? Right? That's why you got the picture of the guy falling down the flight of stairs tangled up in that ladder. Wouldn't it be so much better that at the first sign of hardship, we run to God in, we run to God in prayer? Acknowledge that it is He who has allowed these things and it is He who will give us grace to see it through. All the while sanctifying us through this difficulty. Wouldn't it be better... If we pulled someone aside in our small group and, and said, hey, 
pray for me. This is what I'm dealing with. Help me walk through this. Wouldn't it be better if we came to Lord's Day ready to sing and to serve and to hear from God instead of isolating ourselves from the body? And when we do these things, what we are doing in essence is we are running under the shelter of the wings of the Almighty. We are seeking protection where we ought to seek protection. We are trusting in the Lord. Remember, this psalm offers the promise of the Lord's shelter to those who trust in Him, not to those who trust in themselves or who trust in other things. So trust in the Lord and do not lean to your own understanding. And then don't, don't be afraid. I, I began the sermon with an illustration of, of my father comforting coming in and comforting me with, with this psalm when I had nightmares. And don't laugh, but my fears, my nightmares typically involved Freddy Krueger. <laughs> it's hard not to laugh, isn't it? Or monsters dragging me under the bed. Those were, those, were my, those were my fears back in those days, and I really remember those. But nowadays, I'm not so concerned with uh, Freddy Krueger or monsters dragging me under, under my, my bed. And minus some phobias floating around here today, I don't think we're deeply concerned about the terrors of the night or the arrows flying around in the daytime or lions and adders. But there are a multitude of things that make us afraid. Has anybody been unsettled by the conflict that's taking place between Ukraine and Russia? Anybody been settled by, uh, unsettled by uh, news stories of constant political unrest or the dangers of contagious diseases? And all, all of these things that uh, it just seems like to me sometimes the sole purpose of news outlets is to make us afraid. Constantly hearing about these things, they are just constantly like arrow, arrows flying around at night, right? Or destruction that wastes at noonday. Even the, 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 uh, the thing that went viral that Matt uh, Smedhurst shared on, on Twitter about the Ukrainian uh, family who is uh, singing hymns uh, while you know, their, their nation is, is under siege. It, it just it illustrates that, that truth that even though all of these things are happening, those who trust in the Lord do not need to be afraid. They have sheltered under the wings of the Almighty. That's what Psalm 91 shouts to us. Do not be afraid. I even, I even thought of last week's sermon, right? On the fatherhood of God. God is better than the best earthly father by a long shot. As, as soothing as it was for me to have my dad come in and quote that psalm to me and pray for me, it is my heavenly father who ultimately authored the psalm that he was quoting. And it was the heavenly father to whom my dad was praying. He is the one that promised he would protect me. So even where my father could not protect me, what this psalm was teaching me, that God would protect me if I placed my trust in him. And not only did he promise to protect me, but he was willing 
to sacrifice his son so I could place my trust in him and so I could be sheltered under his wings. So why should I be afraid? The Lord will protect me. God, you are so gracious to your people. We, at the sight of harm or trouble or things that make us afraid, are so prone to lean to our own understanding, to try to work it out ourselves. But God, in your grace, you just continue to draw us in. You patiently teach us to trust in you. And Lord, even when we come limping and wounded from the days of placing our own, our trust in our own selves, you still shelter us under your wings and give us grace and teach us, Lord, to trust in you more. Help us to do that, God. Continue to teach us. We need it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Let's do, try the announcements again. All right. So you're aware that we're doing the Psalm mixtape. So I had, we had to uh, postpone the new membership class. I think I, I think I made everyone aware that had talked to me about that. Um, so we're going to do it next Sunday. Not going to do it this Sunday. It was a scheduling conflict. Same bat time, same bat channel, but we will do it next Sunday, okay? Requirement, so if you, uh, if you talk to me about uh, doing it, then, then please uh, make plans to, to do that if you can. All right? Is that it? Look, while, while figuring out the slides, so there, was one, there was a mix-up in, uh, in me texting Josh. So there's a, a marriage conference coming up in at uh, what is the name Madison Street Baptist Church in Stark, and uh, so um, it's going to take place. What is the what's what's that next Saturday? It's next anyway. It's taking place. It's next Saturday, and so if you're interested, if you're interested in going, they'd like to know uh, by the fifth, by March fifth, which is Wednesday. And um, we have a, a link to that. So if you're interested, um, we're going to share it with your small group leader. And they'll be able to uh, give you the link to sign up for the marriage conference. And it's $10 a couple. Uh, so, uh, again, if, if you're interested in that, uh, uh, see, see me or see your small group leader. They'll have a link to it. Also, we're going to share it on the Facebook page. So uh, it, that will be available to you if you're interested. So uh, next week, cool deal, the uh, children's music class will be leading worship. So we're looking forward to that for sure. All right. Don't forget the youth small group, uh, 10, 10 o'clock, 1045, Sundays before service. <clears throat> and then uh, download the church app. It's easy peasy. It's too easy to do it. Do it, please. You can, also, you can also give uh, through the church app. Uh, you can give uh, online uh, or you can drop a cash or check in our uh, nice little uh, box back there. All right. 
And may the peace of the Lord be with you. God bless you. Love you.